0: Hello baseball fans, welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast where we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and it is now the 21st day of July 2016. We're inching closer to the trade deadline, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this outside the gas station. In Los Gatos, California, the birthplace of former Atlanta Braves shortstop Jeff Blauser. I do not think he was born in this gas station. But then again, I don't know. In uh, Los Gatos, seeing my in-laws, I enjoy my in-laws. I have a nice time with my in-laws. And people make fun of their in-laws. I have good in-laws. I get along fine with them. And I'm filling up my car and... As I have this moment of pause, I decided to do my podcast. I've done it in other places. A gas station is no more stranger than any other place I've done this podcast. Now, I'm thinking right now about what just happened in baseball tonight. I'm thinking about it because I, you know, I'm thinking about Steven Spielberg films. A common thread in Steven Spielberg films is someone looking at something that you you, you hold on the shot of them looking at something. I see something that is spectacular, something that is scary, something that is unusual, something that is unexpected, something that is unexplainable. Now, you think about Spielberg films, how many times do you have a character kind of looking at something and their jaw kind of drops a little bit? It's in a lot of his movies. It's in a crapload of his movies. You know, whether it's Roy Scheider looking at the shark, or in Jaws, or Richard Dreyfuss looking at you know the UFOs in Close Encounters, or all the Nazis looking at the stuff flying around from the Ark of the Covenant, or even Indiana Jones looking at that golden head, or, you know, looking up at the, the sky with the, the, the spaceship going up in E.T., or people looking at the dinosaurs and the shots of, you know, all the people looking at the dinosaurs either in awe in the first scene, or in terror in the later scenes in Jurassic Park, even scenes, like in in, in Schindler's List or in, in Private Ryan, where people look at something either in terror or in awe or with a sense of resolve, that's a Spielberg film. Looking at something like, I can't even comprehend what I'm looking at. Well, let me tell you something. Steven Spielberg could make a film about me tonight looking at the results of baseball because I was looking at it in a similar way that they looked at the dinosaurs for the first time in Jurassic Park. Remember that great scene, great movie, Jurassic Park. First time they see the dinosaur, it's like they're looking at it and they can't even comprehend what they're looking at. Like there's such great performances, Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum and Laura Dern sort of looking up at the dinosaur and it's like, I think I know what I'm looking at, but how could I possibly be looking at it like this? That's me today. Because the results of how I reacted to two different games that went on were so contradictory, were so beyond any realm of what my body is used to even looking at or contemplating, that quite frankly, Spielberg should have been rolling camp. We are living in a world where, first of all, the Red Sox played the Giants. Now, I know a friend of the podcast, um, Stacey Gatsoulias, I think I said her name right, said that she would rather kill herself than see a Red Sox-Giants World Series. And do you know what? I bet she's not alone. Because a lot of people don't like the Red Sox. And the Giants have won a lot. Well, do you know what? I'm a Red Sox fan. The Giants are my second favorite team. I would love to see them. And if you're a fan of this podcast, you should be rooting for that too. If your team can't get in, you should be rooting for it because the entertainment value of this podcast will go through the roof. Especially if it's Red Sox, Giants, and I have my dad, diehard Giant fan, your pal Solly, diehard Red Sox fan. Boom face-off, don't you know what's going on. But the games, this is they've played. What, this is like their third or fourth game that they've played against each other. And they've all been really strange games. There was The two games played at at and Park, which they split, were really close games. And the first game in this series, the Red Sox only got four base runners, but all four of them scored. And then there was tonight. Tonight was... Bananas, I think that's the word I'm looking for. This was a bananas game. Actual bananas. Like peeled bananas, like eaten by a gorilla bananas. That the Red Sox are facing Matt Cain. Now Matt Cain, who was brilliant in the early 90s, Or what decade? Early 2010s. I almost said 80s and I said 90s. What the hell does it matter? Because I'm thinking about Steven Spielberg. In the early 2010s, Matt Cain was one of the elite pitchers in baseball. But as Jonah Carey, the great writer, said when he was a guest on this show that his contract has to be considered one of the worst in baseball because he now stinks. He does stink now. And he's probably done. And because he's done and stinks, and his career is probably over, but was great in the early 2010s, that means what? He will be an angel. That's what the angels do. They take the players who are good in the early 2010s and give them one more shot. But Matt Kane just stinks now. He's a bad pitcher. I don't want him to be a bad pitcher. I like Matt Cain, but he stinks now. Red Sox get up to an eight nothing lead. Hanley Ramirez, that predator-looking dude, launches a pair of homers. And once again, kind of like when I was talking about Rick Porcello the other day, Hanley Ramirez is starting to heat up in a way that it could erase the bad feelings of the first crap year that he had in Boston. Eight nothing. I'm thinking, hey, here we go. This is terrific. Now, as much as I like the Giants... And as much as I want to see the Giants win the pennant and go to the World Series, and if they don't play the Red Sox, I hope they win the World Series. They're playing the Red Sox. Uh, I have no pity for teams that play the Red Sox. 8-0. I'm thinking this is perfect. It's going to be a big, huge win. Drew Pomerantz, who the Red Sox just acquired. They needed depth in their starting pitching. They picked him up from San Diego. And I'm thinking, okay, here we go. Your first day on the job. Socks give you an eight-nothing lead. Be an easy first win, ease them into this, give the main guys of the bullpen a rest. There we go. Wow. The guy could not make it out of the fourth. And you know, when your new team says, Hey, all-star pitcher, welcome to the team. We gave you an eight-run cushion. Enjoy your time in Boston. You should give them, I don't know, at least three and a third innings. You should at least give them double-digit outs. I was hoping for double-digit strikeouts, but he gave them double-digit outs, gave him there was a he only got nine outs. They got an eight-run cushion. And so then it just turns into this, it turns into an eight-five game, turns into an eight-seven game, and then you know it took a miracle play of Hanley Ramirez throwing a home plate for what was not a force play, and to you know prevent the Giants from tying the game, and another Hanley Ramirez homer, but it felt weird. Seeing the Red Sox winning the way they did, where they were relying on Hanley Ramirez going ballistic with his bat and making a great defensive play, and you're thinking, "I'm you know, thinking, you know what? They can't always rely on that. We still haven't solved the problem. We lost, we've lost uh, um, Kimbrell and Uehara to injury, so our bullpen is thin." And we brought in freaking Pomerantz to be a key pitcher in the rotation, and he couldn't give us 10 outs. And I felt, though, as the person who's hoping that the Giants do well, the Giants have, have stumbled out of the gate, but their bats were heating up big time. And I'm thinking like, hey, the Giants are about to play the Yankees. And if their bats are heating up, and they're one of the two best teams in baseball in terms of their win-loss record, and they're on a five-game game losing streak, the percentages say eventually they're going to start winning some games and they're going to win it. If they win it against the Yankees, that will make your pal Sully really happy. So I'm watching the game and I felt better about the Giants than I did about the Red Sox. And the Red Sox were the team that won. I thought Kane stinks, but you know, the Red Sox piled up those runs against Kane, and I don't think the Giants can rely on Kane much anymore. So I almost took his terrible production with a grain of salt and was happy to see the Giants, well, maybe they're starting to swing the bat again. I'm happy they were swinging the bats again against my team. My team wound up winning. My team wound up winning the damn game, and I felt uneasy about that. They just took two games from the team that was the best team in baseball, going into it. And they took both of the games from them. And I felt a little like, geez, ah, I'm not sure what I feel about that game. Yeah, I know it's binary to a degree. Did they win? Did they lose? Did they won? Great. Move on. But I want to see more. I, I, I don't feel any better about the starting pitching situation. And they played their new, their new guy. You know, for some people who say, you know, the, to just end the win statistic, that we can't have a win statistic anymore because it doesn't tell you anything. I think there may be some truth to that. Um, they gave the win to Barnes, who pitched three shutout innings. Uh, I'm fine with that. They gave a hold to Hembury, who let up a run in a third of an inning. Okay, if you have a run in a third of an inning, that means you, that's pitching to a 27 ERA. And he pitched before Barnes. So he got the hold even though he pitched before Barnes. And I the hold meant you held the lead for the pitcher who's going to win. I don't understand the hold stat. I don't understand the hold stat. You know, I, I understand the idea of eliminating the win stat. You have to eliminate the hold stat because it makes no sense. I saw a guy get a hold and a loss on, in the same game. I, how is that possible? That shouldn't be possible. Anyway, I digress. So I'm feeling uneasy about the Red Sox, even though they took both games from the Giants. The Giants are the best team in baseball coming in. The Red Sox won both. And... They're now in first place by themselves in late July. And I felt like, oh, I'm still moving forward. Not sure what I think about this team. The day they move into first, I don't feel good about it. And the one thing I did feel like, well, at least that positive thing happened, was that the Yankees won. The Yankees were victorious victorious, and that became a positive thing for the Red Sox because, and for me as a Red Sox fan, So wait, 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 what the hell, and I said, well, because the Yankees beat the Orioles and Michael Pintar Pineda wiggled out of a bunch of trouble throughout the game, the Red Sox are in first place by themselves. And so I could look at the team and say, well, you know, here's a night when the Red Sox won and I don't feel good about it, but the saving grace was the Yankees won. What? This is the thing that Spielberg should have the camera on my face because I'm looking at these results and then thinking about my own personal reaction to these results. And my expression is similar to Sam Neill and Laura Dern looking at the dinosaur for the first time in Jurassic Park. Like, what the hell am I even looking at? This is what 2016 has, been, has become. I have no idea what's gonna happen with the Red Sox right now. I don't, tr- I don't know what to make of their pitching staff. David Price has been, I don't wanna call him a bust, but he's certainly been a gigantic letdown. Meanwhile, you bring in Pomerantz, who's supposed to be this this steadying figure in the rotation. And his first game was a big old flopperino. You know, you got to get you, know, <laughs> you can't protect an eight-run lead. And they're relying on Stephen Wright, who, going into this year, I would have had more faith in the comedian, and Rick Porcello. Who last year Red Sox fans were burning images of his effigy in front of Fenway Park, and now we can't lose at Fenway. It's a weird year. It's a weird year where we don't know who they're bringing out of the bullpen. We don't know who they can rely on in the starting pitching. And amidst all of this, they're now in first place by themselves. And the team that they just leapfrog is a really unstable, unpredictable team with a rotten starting pitching staff that is Baltimore. I, I should be dancing a jig instead. I'm absolutely terrified. And the Red Sox are getting a boost from the Yankees, who are now two games above 500. And as John Heyman pointed out, the writer John Heyman pointed out, as of this recording, the Yankees are closer to first place than the Mets. The Mets are six games above 500 and six and a half games behind the Washington Nationals. The Yankees are two games above 500 and only six games back of the Red Sox. And I wonder, you know, the, there's rumor after rumor of the Yankees going to trade this person, going to trade that person. Is this recent winning streak going to be a distraction and make the Yankee brass think, oh, wait a minute, maybe we should go for it. Look at that. I mean, it's a completely influx American league and the only, only the Tigers, Astros and Blue Jays are keeping the Yankees away from the postseason. Of course, the idea of the Yankees going for it would be absolutely ridiculous because this would be doing all this for the possibility of getting the second wild card spot, when they have a great opportunity to build for the future. I mean, t- just take a look at right now what just happened in Texas. In Texas, they just lost Chew and Fielder possibly for the rest of the year, and they don't know what the hell they're going to get out of Darvish. And yet, the Rangers are still, despite going on yet another spiraling losing streak, they still are in first place by themselves at this point, three and a half games ahead of Houston. And so the idea that the Rangers, who need a bat desperately right now, could turn for someone like a Beltran, and they need a pitcher desperately, they could turn to someone like a Sabathia With that incredibly deep farm system, that's what they should be going for, big time. Forget the fact that they're creeping back in the wild card race. Ah, but can they do that? So here I am, happy that the Yankees won because it helped the Red Sox, and it may put a stupid image of them potentially contending this year into their brain. I'm mad at the Red Sox for winning the game the way they did, and I'm happy for the Giants' bats, even though they lost. That's a weird night of baseball. That is a weird night for your pal Sully. Because I have these 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 columns that I put my fandom into. They say, this is how it works. I root for this, I root for this, I root for this. And today I was, I, I think I was rooting for everything, but... I don't know. It's very confusing. My expression right now is Spielberg-esque. So, who owned baseball for the 20th of July? I'm gonna go out on a limb and say Hanley Ramirez did with three home runs and a great defensive play. Call me crazy. Uh, The Cardinals won a doubleheader and Jed Jorko uh, I give it to Jed Jorko for his great offensive play in the Cardinal sweep of the Padres. Uh, you know, it was between Carlos Carrasco and Doug Fister as a pitcher. I decided to go Carrasco for six innings of one-hit shutout ball, and the Indians won a big game against the defending world champion Kansas City Royals, and don't look now, but the Cleveland Indians have a seven-and-a-half game lead over Detroit, and the Royals are a 500 team. It's late July. That's weird. I don't think the Royals are going to finish 500, but that's still that's unexpected, I gotta say. Um, uh, Jeremy Hellickson, one run over eight innings, struck out eight, and the Phillies beat the Marlins 4 to 1. You look for Jeremy Hellickson to be traded very soon. Uh, Half wobs. Uh, Trevor Brown of the Giants got three hits, got a big home run. But the Giants could not overcome the Red Sox in that weird 11 7 game. Justin Verlander was great. The resurgence of Justin Verlander struck out nine in eight innings, but the Tigers lost to the Twins 4 to 1. And Melky Cabrera went three for six with a stolen base, but the White Sox lost 6 to 5 to Seattle. No National League pitcher got a half wob. So if we keep score at home, Hanley Ramirez, Jed Jorko, Carlos Carrasco, and Jeremy Hellickson got full wobs, half wobs Trevor Brown. Melky Cabrera, and Justin Verlander. Go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kalisky. This has been the Gas Station Steven Spielberg edition of the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 21st day of July 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.